0: You are listening to the Mind Mental Health Podcast. We are a group of students at the University of North Texas Health Science Center who are passionate about mental health issues and fighting stigmas. The aim of this podcast is to educate our listeners on mental health and tell our experiences with honesty. We encourage you to consider only what feels best to you and to consult with your medical professional and or support team before doing anything that might jeopardize your physical, emotional, spiritual, or mental health. Some episodes may trigger an adverse reaction if an episode is beginning to upset you, I advise that you please pause immediately and talk to your support team. With that being said, welcome to the Mind Mental Health Podcast. Let's dive in. Is this thing on?
1: Yes, and with that, welcome to another episode of the Mind Podcast. My name is Christian, and this week our topic will be about anxiety, and I am anxious to get started. Matt, how about you?
0: Well, that's my secret. I'm always anxious. Is that copyright? As are about 40 million people in the United States, according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, or approximately 18% of the population in any given year. Gasp.
1: The WHO also indicates that about 1 in 13 people in the world suffer from anxiety, with anxiety disorders being the most prevalent mental health disorder worldwide.
0: Not to mention that most people develop anxiety before the age of 21, and anxiety is two times more prevalent in women than it is in men. Even more shocking, most
1: people who suffer from anxiety never seek treatment for anxiety disorders, with only about a third of the people getting treatment for a variety of disorders, which are generally very easy to treat.
0: A major concern with anxiety disorders is that they are commonly associated with various other conditions, namely depression.
1: Yikes. The good news is that while anxiety and depression often occur together, the treatments for each are very similar, so they can be treated together.
0: With the prevalence of anxiety in this day and age, we wanted to talk a little bit about how to recognize it. The National Alliances on Mental Illness, or NAMI, have indicated the following is common among those who have different forms of anxiety.
1: Some emotional ones are apprehension or dread, feeling tense or jumpy. Boo! (laughs) Restlessness, irritability, anticipating the worst, and being watchful for signs of danger.
0: Physical ones that can occur at different frequencies include shortness of breath and a racing heart, sweating with tremors and twitches, relatable, headaches occurring in various frequencies with fatigue and insomnia, and an upset stomach, vomiting, frequent urination, or diarrhea.
1: A number of these symptoms are present in a wide variety of anxiety disorders, and we wanted to cover a few of them right now. These definitions are taken from NAMI, or the National
0: Alliance of Mental Illness. To start, we wanted to go over Generalized Anxiety Disorder, or GAD. GAD produces chronic, exaggerated worrying about everyday life. This worrying can consume hours each day, making it hard to concentrate or finish daily tasks. A person with GAD may become exhausted or be worried and experience headaches, tension, or nausea. I definitely feel that exhaustion. I tend to come from a very anxious family. Eh. Same. So some sad facts about GAD include that it is found more often in medical school than in any other general population group. It is also a risk factor for heart attacks, and two-thirds of those with GAD also experience depression, according to the American Medical Student Association.
1: Another disorder are panic disorders. This disorder is characterized by panic attacks and sudden feeling of terrors, sometimes striking repeatedly and without warning. Often mistaken for a heart attack, panic attacks can cause powerful physical symptoms including chest pain, heart palpitations, dizziness, shortness of breath, and an upset stomach. Many people will go to desperate measures to avoid an attack, including social isolation. An NCPI study on the management of treatment-resistant panic disorders from 2007 noted that panic disorders can be characterized by unexpected panic attacks and at least once a month of concern of additional attacks and their implications socially can lead to phobias, particularly agoraphobia. This can be inherited and based on life events which occur, such as sexual or physical abuse, which can increase the risk of it. And a fun fact, I actually was misdiagnosed as a panic disorder because I actually have something else called POTS or Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, which causes the exact same symptoms such as blurry vision. I, I felt like I was underwater. I couldn't hear anything. My heart rate would increase and I would feel this like feeling of dread. And it actually wasn't a panic attack. It actually was a heart condition. So they can be misdiagnosed at times.
0: Personally, I would actually been diagnosed previously with social anxiety disorder and not too long ago. More than shyness, this disorder causes intense fear about social interaction. I'm driven by irrational worries about humiliation, like saying something stupid like I am sometimes all the time, or not knowing what to say. Someone with social anxiety disorder may not take part in conversations, cr- tribute to class discussions or offer any of their ideas and may become isolated panic attacks when they start discussing things as a common reaction to anticipated or forced social interaction. Darned icebreakers. I definitely get that especially when I'm taking a
1: shower at the end of the day all these thoughts about what I could have said instead when I'm going through like the conversations I had it's like always cringe and I wish I could change it. The next one is phobias. Uh, Phobias, certain places can be events or objects that create powerful reactions of strong irrational fear. Depending on the type and number of triggers, attempts to control fear can take over a person's life. Personally, I have a really weird phobia of an irrational fear of bicycles. I know, it's a little strange. It took me a while to learn how to ride one. I was 13 years old when I finally was able to ride one without training wheels. And it actually got kind of bad because in college, my classes were really far away and I was going to finally take the plunge face my fears and get a bicycle because I had to like run across campus and I was always late, but that night I don't know why just a coincidence the next day a girl was riding her bicycle to school and then got into a car Accident Whoa. A car had hit her which you know, of course only increased my irrational fear and I'm just like nope There are death bikes. I am never gonna go on one I do know how to ride one and I will under certain circumstances will do it, but it takes a lot <laughs>
0: Well, some other examples of anxiety disorders can be, as mentioned previously, agoraphobia, selective mutism, separation anxiety disorder, and substance or medication-induced anxiety disorder involving intoxication or withdrawal or medication treatment. Some of the details regarding these will be available in the description below, but just to note that these are other forms that they can occur. Tag yourself, I'm social anxiety disorder because I'm everywhere and just the worst.
1: (laughs) I guess I'm a phobia because I have an irrational fear of bicycles question mark is there even a thing for that is that a word cyclophobia ah keep that in mind
0: (laughs) so for management there are several ways to address these forms of anxiety but please be sure to talk to your doctor about specifics of care these are samples of resources and techniques as a sort of mental health toolkit to consider if you want a place to start for greater details please see the links below and also have a thorough discussion with your doctor
1: and stay tuned at the end of the podcast we'll sample a way that you can control some of your anxiety symptoms through a quick meditation practice
0: so one way is through talk therapy and a commonly mentioned one is cognitive behavioral therapy. You'll be hearing a lot about it but one simple description is that it helps with a form a different way of thinking reacting and behavior to feel less anxious that's a very high simplification of how it was described by the American Psychiatric Association and it's considered a standard of care for treatment of a lot of different mental conditions and please see your doctor for more details
1: <laughs> Another way to control some of your anxiety symptoms are through medications. Medications will not cure anxiety disorders but can give significant relief from symptoms it might not work for everyone the most commonly used medications are anti-anxiety medications generally prescribed only for a short period of time and also antidepressants also there are a bunch of different types of medications there's Zoloft, Celexa, Prozac, Visceral, Lexapro, Cymbalta and also beta blockers which are generally used for heart conditions sometimes are also used to control the physical symptoms of anxiety through the American Psychiatric Association
0: so some alternative or complementary health approaches, a.k.a. my coping mechanisms, include stress management techniques and meditation, which we'll give an example of later. But they can also include breathing techniques, grounding techniques, visualization techniques, progressive muscle relaxation techniques, journal writing, or just putting your stream of thought into some sort of medium, whether it's audio or otherwise.
1: There's also support groups in person and online. They're not your therapist. And you have to be mindful of the fact that they other people that or in your support system and support groups might be going through something first. So always make sure that you're asking them, hey, are you able to handle it mentally? And at this moment, can you help me with it? Just because they might not be able to, they might be suffering through their own anxiety and other issues. So be mindful of that. But we do have a bunch of support groups here on campus, so be sure to check those out.
0: It may be a little bit difficult to hear, but caffeine is also a pretty prominent trigger for anxiety. So it would be helpful to actually reduce the level of that in, in promoting or reduce anxiety levels. Oh, that might be a hard one. I know. I am drinking coffee right now and I'm needing another one. Sharing symptoms and spreading knowledge with family and friends is also a pretty important part of, of caring for anxiety.
1: Also, there's organizations such as No Panic, which is a registered charity, which help people who suffer from panic attacks, phobias, obsessive compulsive disorders, and other related anxiety disorders, including those people who are trying to give up tranquilizers. Some physical activities and lifestyle changes that you can do are yoga, exercise, and getting enough sleep, which I know is almost impossible to do, especially while in school. But one study shows that severe sleep deprivation increases one's state of anxiety, depression, and general distress relative to those who have had a normal night of sleep. Also, a diet full of leafy, greens and carb dense foods that are not processed have shown to uh, be very beneficial and a good way to do that is meal prepping i know like we're very busy people very busy students we never have time because we're always studying in the library but meal prepping could be a really relaxing way to just cook all your meals at once and then you'll have something to eat during those study breaks
0: Another favorite for people to consider when dealing with anxiety is good old-fashioned animal therapy for babies. An example could be like an emotional support peacock. Do you have an example of an emotional support pet? Well,
1: not technically an emotional support pet, but I love cuddling with my pet rabbit. It always relaxes me and makes me feel all warm and cuddly
0: as a side note emotional support animals specifically may be enough to help with your mental illness but service animals perform a service and so there's a distinction between emotional support animals and service animals service animals are trained and very well behave for the majority of the time and there are two groups of animals that may be confused for one another which leads to stigmatization against service animals it's a lot easier to get your pet certified as an emotional support animal for a diagnosis of your illness and an esa letter from your mental health provider and your pet does not have to be trained which can might lead to unruly behavior in public but not all emotional support animals are like that of course it's also in fact that my roommate has been trying to consistently have us add a dog to our apartment when we are already kind of dealing with our own struggles and it may be difficult for people in a position of those trying to become or are currently health providers as it could only compound the anxieties that you're having with the the different things that you're so trying to do while also dealing with your current workload as a grad or medical student
1: yes well another way you can work on it is through volunteering or giving back (laughs) There's a bunch of volunteering that you can do like, to help other people who are going through the same thing as you, or just to help the community and reach out. That can give you a sense of relief, helping others can relieve some of your own anxiety. So on a lighter note, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about our highs, lows, and disco balls. Your high ball is like something good that happened for the week. Your low ball is something not so great that happened during your week. And your disco ball is something really interesting or weird that happened during your week. So first my high ball is that I actually had eight hours of sleep last night, which is Yay. so rare in medical school, but it actually happened. My lowball is that I couldn't reach the top shelf in my pantry to get my favorite cereal and I finally just gave up. I should really invest in a step stool. And my disco ball, oddly enough, while shopping for groceries, trying to meal prep at Trader Joe's, the cashier thought I was 17 and still in high school.
0: I'd say relatable, but the beard kind of helps with that. (laughs) Eh, Can't relate. So my high is I learned what Curly's custard tastes like or just what custard tastes like for the very first time and what the subsequent diabetes mellitus will probably end up feeling like. The low is my hairline receded another inch in three months and I found my first gray hairs in my eyebrows. Yay. It happened. I'm 24. <laughs> and my disco ball is I had a little bit of a case of imposter syndrome with 10 people dressing up as me for Halloween. How does that work? I don't know, but a lot of cuffed jeans.
1: It's like an alternate dimension of Matt's world. <laughs> so now we're going to do a quick little meditation practice, which can be done anywhere. So be, let's run through this. It would be a great way to like just release some anxiety that you may be going through this week. First, we're going to acknowledge five things that you see around you.
0: I see a mouse. I see a keyboard. I see a phone. I see some headphones and a microphone. Okay, now
1: you're going to acknowledge four things that you can touch around you.
0: I'm touching my computer, I'm touching my hair, I'm touching my pants, and I'm touching an outlet. Now, ooh, don't shock yourself. <laughs> I stopped.
1: Now, acknowledge three things that you hear.
0: I hear my own voice, I hear the sweat of my palms dripping down, and I hear... My lovely voice. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Okay,
1: now acknowledge
0: two things that you can smell. I can smell my own sweat, and I can smell a little bit of coffee, but that's probably not good.
1: Now acknowledge one thing that you can taste.
0: I taste coffee coffee sounds good that does sound good but that's just projecting my need for it (laughs) you don't have to actually focalize everything you're you're doing for this process it's all things that you could think at the time and just have to focus on making sure that wherever you are you can do this whole five senses meditation where you see touch Hear. hear smell and taste five to one things for each of those senses in your head and just think about it and that could be done wherever you'd want i vocalized each one and you could you literally just if you're feeling bad while you're sitting down at a desk do this at any point
1: and these five steps are ways to ground yourself in the now. Take you out of your own head and help you stop you from your flooded thoughts. In cognitive behavior therapy, it is believed that your thoughts are directly linked to how you feel. And although we feel like we lose control of our thought processes, we have tools that can help us gain back a sense of control and lead to healthier thought patterns. In moments of anxiety or trigger trauma, it is important to stay present, focus, and to help find the symptom relief. Hopefully this coping technique can help you or someone you know stay present, stay grounded, and stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Mind Mental Health Podcast. Be sure to check out the episode notes for some resources we recommend. If you are out there and you're feeling stuck or feeling alone, you are not alone in this. Seeking help for your mental health is an important way of taking control of your life. And remember, it's okay not to be okay. Before we go, show some love by sharing this podcast with a friend and rating on whatever platform you may be using. We look forward to sharing new content with you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Thanks again for listening.